0: Hi! Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we take a look around the CFL with our friend Kirk Penton of The Athletic, who's also going to be honored here in Manitoba in the near future. We'll talk to him about that. Also, the MJHL Showcase just wrapped up at 7 Oaks Sportsplex. We talked to Kevin Surrett, Director of League Operations, about that. And finally, a preview of sorts of the NHL season. It's a little rushed. And probably inaccurate, but hey, that hasn't stopped anyone else before. That's on the podcast. We turn our attention back to Canadian Football League. We're joined by our friend of, from the Athletic, Kirk Penton. Kirk, how are you doing tonight? Very good,
1: Christian. How about
0: yourself? Doing well. First of all, got to congratulate you on uh, being named to the Manitoba Sports Writers and Sportscasters uh, Media Honor Roll. How does that feel? Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. Yes, it's uh, very, very nice, very humbled. Uh, I feel like I might be too young for something like that. I don't know if they've run out of people to give it to you, but no, I'm kidding. It's, uh, it's, it's a very, very, very big honor.
0: Yeah, so you'll be uh, inducted next month, so you'll be coming back to Winnipeg for that. You betcha. All right. Well, hopefully, we'll uh, hopefully we'll... it's warm. No snow, okay? Uh, well, it's... Probably not gonna be warm, but <laughs> not like the West Coast, man. You know what it's like here. I know, I know. I I miss it. Definitely miss it. Now there's anxiety in this market right now, CFL wise. The last two weeks did not go well for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh from the we, we talk a lot, we hear a lot from the team, but it's nice to hear someone, you know, who covers the entire league and someone outside the city, your perspective on are the bombers screwed?
1: Well, It's not looking too good, is it? I mean, even, uh, you know, just talking to people around the league and people who are in the league, just I'm not hearing much love at all anywhere. Um, You know, Strebler was kind of able, I think, was able to kind of surprise some teams and and do things that they weren't ready for. I don't know if they figured him out. I don't know if maybe he's dealing with some sort of injury or something because he wasn't doing last game what he had done in the previous ones that worked so well um and if he's not if he's not running i mean really it's it's not a very good situation because uh you know he doesn't have he doesn't have the arm that other quarterbacks do and if you can't pass it and if you know you're just going to run it and uh and it's only andrew harris running it then then you're in trouble so no, I, it's 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 not looking too good. I mean, Hamilton, Calgary, and Saskatchewan uh, have been getting all the love from everybody I'm hearing, but you know, things change. Things change very quickly in this league, and uh, you know, the Bombers could go into Regina this weekend, and take care of business, and everything's fine. So, uh, right now, though, it's uh, it's definitely they're definitely not getting
0: a lot of love around the league. Another team not getting a lot of love and perhaps justifiably, I think definitely justifiably, is the Toronto Argonauts, that was the subject of your column in The Athletic today, just what's going on, what's gone wrong, and basically everything going wrong with Toronto.
1: Yeah, I, I you know, just watching that game last week, I just watching how they finished that first half, it, it just boggled my mind, I mean, they should have been, they should have had urgency, they should have had this desire to, to try and march down the field. And I just kind of highlighted my column how James Franklin took his time getting the snap. And they only had about, I think, six plays over the final minute and a half of, and only got to about Saskatchewan's 50-yard line and and just let the clock run out. And, you know, in the big picture, that's not that big of a deal, really. I mean, it's not like they were going to win the game. It's not like they're going to make the playoffs. But I just think it's a it's a sign that, Everything is wrong there. There's just no leadership. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but it just that kind of encapsulated what I think is going on with the Argos. It's just it's it, they're just listless, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if there's any uh, any big changes now or or at the end of the season. I assume there will be changes. There there have to be changes. It's going to be two back to back awful seasons for them, and uh, you can bet that MLSE will not be happy about that.
0: I mean they showed some good signs or not good, but some maybe positive yeah. encouraging things from McLeod Bethel Thompson. Was it just a matter of James Franklin can't be a CFL quarterback?
1: Well, I mean if you're doing that five years into your CFL career, it, it just shows that either you don't care or you don't know. I mean it was just I was screaming at my television and I <laughs> I mean I don't you I don't care who wins. Right. But I'm like, what are you doing? It's it's unfathomable. You looked at you looked at how the uh, the bombers marched down the field at the end of uh, the first half. A lot of uh, teams are doing it. The Lions did it. Uh, you know, they they had three plays in like thirty five seconds or something and kicked a field goal and won the game by two. And they're probably not making the playoffs, but but they care. They're they're showing that they know what they're doing. That that sequence to me in in Toronto against the the Rough Riders just blew my mind, and I I just had to get it off my <laughs> chest and write about it. Fair enough. It's just ugly.
0: Now, Montreal, a a question for you before we look ahead. Let's look back one more time. A lot of discussion about Kahari Jones going for it down by two in field goal range late in that game. Was that an indictment of his defense, the fact that he had to go for that?
1: Well, and yeah, it kind of was because I think he said that uh, he didn't want Mike Riley the ball back you didn't want you don't want mike riley to be allowed to march down the field and get him back in the field goal range so i can't believe he's i can't believe he would think that because that defense in montreal is is very capable of going far and and upsetting a good team and and you know possibly winning it i've said it before i'll say it again Every playoff team is going to have a legitimate chance to to win the Grey Cup. Maybe Edmonton right now is is the the sixth mm-hmm. seed out of all those teams and maybe it would be a stretch to say they have a chance, but the rest of them are all are all there and capable of doing it. And uh I just I, I mean, I think it was the right call. You I've I always say you can get a yard in the CFL. Right. So, you know, going up by what would, what would they've gone up by six One. uh well with the touchdown, right. though, You know, getting into the end zone. They're they were down two a, at the
0: time. They,
1: yeah, they would have had to come back, and and BC would have had to come back and score a touchdown. So, in that sense, it was the right. That's that's that should have been his justification. But to say your defense didn't, you didn't want your defense facing Mike Riley. I mean, no, I don't. I don't, I don't agree with that. That was just the wrong thing to say.
0: I mean, things. You know, you can always justify things when they work out and when they don't obviously yeah. you get criticized that's just the nature of how it goes so let's
1: I, I think it was the right call I do yeah but
0: I think his reasoning was wrong. right okay or at least what he told us right right, exactly. right. so I just I'm just curious for Hamilton Montreal sake they know that they're going to be one two in the east and there's still you know so many games left so what do they look at now these last few weeks heading into the playoffs what are they hoping to accomplish
1: um, health. (laughs) Right. One thing. I mean, we've seen many, a good team derailed in the postseason because of some silly injury in the second, last game of the season. And CFL rosters are not big enough that you can bench everybody for the, for the last few games. And I really thought Montreal was going to give Hamilton more of a run. And, um, you know, Hamilton just keeps winning. So it is going to be, uh, they're going to be playing out the string at the end, but, um, no, I mean, you just, it, all it is is health right now. And it's, it's, it's trying to, to stay in shape, but at the same time, not get hurt. It's it's such a fine line because you cannot get hurt, but you cannot take your foot off the gas either. So they just have to figure out who's the most valuable and sit them down, right? Mm-hmm. And throw the people out there that they think they can replace it. They get hurt.
0: I'm thinking of other sports. Hockey, trade deadline Mm -hmm. is a huge deal. Basketball, trade deadline is a huge deal. Baseball, a lot of big moves made. But in football, NFL included in this, you rarely see big trades in season. Mm -hmm. And we have the trade deadline a week from today. Why is it that teams just... It it doesn't seem to be the same in in football. Is it just the nature of the game and how, I guess, complicated it can be to put a new name into an offense? I wonder if that that
1: probably does have something to do with it. I know in the CFL, it's just because usually every team is still alive at the, at the trade deadline. Um, Obviously this year, there's some, some very bad teams that are definitely out of it. Um, And I mean, we could still see some trades. I mean, Toronto should be stocking up on as much, on as many draft picks as they can. But I don't know. I think, I think teams are so far right up against the cap that, Adding somebody of significance is also very tough. I mean, you're only spending 5.2 million dollars on a on a on a team, and if you're throwing in somebody who's making 10, 15 thousand dollars a game check, um, it can be tough. So I think it's I think it's all those factors thrown in. But um, we've seen a couple of trades from teams in past years when they were so far out of it that they weren't making the playoffs. And uh, you know, if the red blacks and the, and the Argos knew what they were doing, they would, they would try and unload some people. Cause I, I, I was talking to one CFL guy recently, and he thinks that 70% of the league is going to be a free agent after the year. That's kind of the the situation that we're in. So really you don't have anything to lose. You're going to be able to restock and, and shape your team however you want. So get those draft picks, build up that Canadian talent and, uh, and get rid of players. I think it should be even more prevalent now in the CFL because everybody's signing one year
0: contracts, trade them away. Off the top of your head. Can you think of any names that might be coveted on those two teams? Oh, well, I mean,
1: there are, there is talent um, more so in the Argos, like the Argos situation. That's another reason why it's just so, so dumbfounding to me is the Argos have talent in many places, like Micah Alway, linebacker, guys like that, Cleon Lang. I don't know what his contract situation is like, but there's plenty of guys there who, who could get the job done. Um, Ottawa is a little leaner, mm-hmm. and uh, their good players are hurt. Bruno's hurt. Avery Williams, I don't think, is very healthy. So Ottawa's kind of in no man's land there, but, you know, Dominic Grimes is a very good Receiver, if he's a free agent, ship him off. Some you know, the bombers, even though they don't have a quarterback who can throw him the ball, uh, could use another receiver. Um, so yeah, just I mean get anything you can. Just do it because as one of my insiders told me today in my column that Ottawa's Canadians are just terrible. So they have to clean it
0: up and that's one way to do it. Yeah, Kenny Lawler is the leading receiver on the Blue Bombers. He ranks 23rd in the CFL in at, yeah. or receiving yards. So, Yes, I,
1: I did a thing last week on who the best receiver is in the CFL, and I noticed that whoever was leading, I think it was oh, Burnham, Brian Burnham was leading as of last week. He had more yak than Winnipeg's leading receiver had receiving yards, Just... <laughs> which tells you what kind of passing year it's been in the Peg.
0: Well, and Andrew Harris is right behind Lawler, and, that, and he missed the two games. A lot of uh, yeah. receivers have missed games, but yeah, Stravler, I guess, is yeah. the quarterback. So just before I let you go, Kirk, your thoughts still the same as uh, who we're going to see in the Grey Cup? You still think it's Hamilton-Calgary? I'm i
1: sticking with that so far. I mean, Calgary-Hamilton uh, has really, under Dane Evans, just been fantastic, and they're going to need to win only one game at home to get to the Grey cup. So I'm definitely thinking Hamilton right now is going to get there more so than Calgary, but I will stick with Calgary as well. I think, uh, I think Saskatchewan and Calgary are as of now headed to that West final. That would be a doozy, but uh, Calgary's chance to uh, play at home for a Grey cup after what an amazing decade they've had. I would say uh, that's my hunch as of now.
0: And I think uh, as much as bomber fans wouldn't want to admit it, that's, unfortunately probably what they're worried about right now the way the team has looked the last couple weeks Kirk appreciate your time as always
1: All right, Christian have a good night
0: now the Manitoba Junior Hockey League Showcase event wrapped up last night at Seven Oaks Sportsplex and joining me to talk about it is the director of league operations Kevin Surrett now Kevin correct me if I'm wrong but this event didn't used to be at the start of the season this is earlier than it used to be right it is. We've We've
2: we've held it in, in December, I think the past four or five years. And, and this year we, you know, we decided to move it up closer to the start of the season. And, and really the thought process was, um, you know, this is the time when most of the scouts are on the road um, doing a lot of their recruiting and scouting and, and identifying players, you know, going to the various showcases uh, across the country and, you know, across North America for that. So we just wanted to, you know, find a nice spot where we could hold ours and, and really get all of our players, you know, on the same page as, as the rest of, of the leagues that I guess the scouts are, are, um, are watching. And we, we just felt that when the showcase came around in December, a lot of the scouts from the various leagues had, had identified and, are already tracking players by that point. So we just wanted to make sure that, that our guys were on equal footing with, with other players across the country.
0: Is that something where you got feedback from scouts in the past saying, I, you know, I'd like to make it, but I can't because, we, you know, we've already accomplished a lot of stuff. And if you guys could move it back, that would be great.
2: Yeah, it was definitely, um, we definitely did our homework before we made the change. And it was scouts, you know, for them, they only have so much time. Especially when you're when you're talking about uh, NCAA scouts, they they're all the way it works for NCAA is that the scouts are actually the assistant coaches. Um, they're not allowed to have a scouting staff, so you know if you think about it, they're scouting all over North America, on top of you know running their own programs and practices and games. So this is the time of the year that their seasons haven't started yet, so. You know the feedback we got is that it would be a good time. They're already traveling, so it gives them a chance to to stop into Manitoba and and see what the MJHL players look like for this season.
0: So yeah, the one game Sunday and then uh, five games Monday, five games Tuesday. How would you say the showcase went?
2: We think it went really well. It was uh, an exciting three days and. The feedback that we got from, from everyone involved is that, you know, the event itself, they're really impressed and and we've, this is the second year now, we've we've held it at Seven Oaks Sports Flex and, and it's just an amazing facility, especially for an event like this. So you know, between the facility, um, the event itself and the quality of play was all very positive feedback and, and kudos to our players and teams, you know, they for them, they come in, it's an exciting time, they get to play in front of Scouts from all levels, and you know they they played their hearts out, and it was very competitive. Eleven games, and it, it's just neat to see that environment. It was well attended by fans and scouts alike, and we had going through our our scout registration lists. You know we had scouts from NHL, NCAA, Western Hockey League, esports hockey, uh, USHL, so a lot of different paths that that were there watching and. You know, and the players, they worked hard, and they showcased themselves very well.
0: Now, the fact that it's much earlier in the season now, you know, a lot of these teams, this was like their fifth and sixth games. Has that changed the quality of play at all to when it was in December?
2: Uh, it might a little bit. I mean, obviously in December, teams are, you know, close to 30 games in, and, and they have all their systems down, and and it, they're, you know, the players and the teams, they're, they're in mid-season form, but... But like anything, that the nice thing is that all of our teams did have two or three games under their belt, so it wasn't like it was their first games of the year. And, and I think just the excitement and adrenaline of, of the showcase environment you know, makes up for, for the mid-season form, and, and you, know, you, you really couldn't tell just from the play that, that it was so early in the season.
0: And the players are very well aware of what's going on at these showcase events, right, and who is there to watch them?
2: Yeah, for sure. They know it's it's our main event. It's it's something we, you know, promote heavily. And a lot of the returning players have obviously been through it. And it's uh, it's an exciting time. All for the those of the people out there that don't know, all 11 teams in the MJHL come into Winnipeg, and they they each play two games over the course of two and a half days, and and their league games. So they're you know, there's points on the line and and it's just a chance for scouts from all levels to you know to fly into Winnipeg which is you know a major airport hub and and see all every player see every team play twice and and you know after the games you'll see a lot of scouts down by the dressing rooms you know talking to players and talking to coaches and it's uh you know every everyone in our league especially from the players and team standpoint they know they know the importance and you know the the opportunity that the showcase provides.
0: So looking at the standings right now, most teams have played six, a few have played seven. Portage, the lone team, yet to be defeated. Is that really a surprise?
2: Well, I think everyone, you know, expects Portage to be strong this year, especially with with them hosting the national championship and, you know, with just on top of the success that they had last year and they have a, you know, a good number of returning players from that team last season, which obviously they've, they've been there, they've done it, they've, they've experienced and and they know what to take. So I think everyone in the league expects Portage to, to be a strong team all season and, and obviously represent the MJHL very well when the nationals come along. But back to your point, I don't think it's a big surprise, but you know, their record is obviously they're off to a great start, but I've, I've seen a bunch of games and it's, they haven't been easy wins by any means, so it's it's nice to see, you know, the the competitiveness, you know, throughout the league already this season.
0: Swan Valley made the final last year. They were one of the great stories of last year's season, perhaps the best story so far this season. And we talked about it last week. Was the Waywaste Capital Wolverines were off to a five one and one start? How about that story for your league?
2: Yeah, it's great. You know, they've taken some. Some huge strides over the past two three seasons and and taylor's done a taylor and josh have done a great job and you know they're playing exciting hockey and it seems like that team they they work hard and they're bought in and and they're having fun and and it's great to see those teams you know having early success and and getting their confidence up and you know it just you know it's nice to see teams get reward get rewarded for all the hard work and good things that they're doing on and off the ice
0: but of course, it is you know still October second, so things can change
2: exactly it's 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 a long season and and the way our league has been, it's been you know super competitive top to bottom. so like you said it, it's early on in the season, but you know for those teams that are off to a good start, obviously, you know they're happy with that, but they do know that there's a lot of hockey to be left put.
0: Anything else coming up people should know about?
2: No, it'll be it'll be nice. We'll be able to just kind of settle into the into the season and and see how things go moving towards Christmas. I know in the background, our next big event is the SJHL-MJHL joint showcase in Regina, which will be January twenty first, twenty second. So we're in the process now of of you know going through the process of identifying coaches and and support staff to be involved with the teams that we're going to send. And then from there, we're obviously going to be identifying players and, and, tracking them from our league for the up until, you know, end of December and, and all the players in our league, they, they know about this opportunity and, you know, this is going to be the third year of, of this event and, and there, you know, that should be every player in our league's goal is, is to get invited to that showcase. Cause you know, that's another very, very, um, good event great opportunity for players and it's it's really the best of the best um, from both leagues meeting for three days and and again it gives scouts an opportunity to not only see the best from one league but to see the best you know from two leagues so it's really a no-brainer for for scouts to mark in their calendar
0: all right kevin i appreciate your time tonight uh, and as always and we'll catch up with you later on in the season
2: perfect thanks for having me and we'll talk soon
0: Stanley Cup was in the house as the Blues raised the banner today. But who will win next year? Burning questions on opening night of the NHL season. Here's Christian's guarantees that are worth nothing. If you've ever listened to Power Parlay, we don't know what we're talking about. But I'm going to try my best. Because guess what? We're all We're all just guessing. All the pundits. I'm not calling myself a pundit. I'm a sports joe. doesn't mean I'm a pundit. We're just guessing, making educated predictions that go out the window when Tampa Bay gets swept by Columbus because no one had that. What happens on the ice? No one can truly predict. You can make an educated guess. So here's mine Tampa Bay is the best team in hockey. They will win the President's Trophy again. They will not win the Stanley Cup. Who will win the Stanley Cup? <laughs> I don't have the guts to say right now. I don't think Tampa Bay will, because the best team rarely does. Who saw the Blues coming, right? Here's another prediction. The Jets will make the playoffs. Colorado, everyone thinks Colorado's going to be the team that makes the big jump. I'm going to say it takes another season. I'm going to say they're not quite there yet. Why don't we just give it to Vegas? Let's let Vegas be the Stanley Cup champion. Why not Vegas? Why not San Jose? A team with to the Pacific will win the Stanley Cup. Why not? But Washington, Pittsburgh, they're still going to be around. Chicago's going to make a bounce back. The Stars aren't going to be nearly as, not nearly, they're going to be a little worse than people expect, will be my guess. But again, all this means nothing. Because it's October 2nd, and it can all change in a month. But the Jets will be fine. More on the Jets later on in the show. But sent some stats by the NHL, and I love numbers. And here are some numbers about the international makeup of the teams. The country with the most representation. This will not surprise you. Canada. 295 of 690 Players on official season opening rosters are from Canada. So that's 43% U.S. 177. Which is up from last year when 153 U.S. born players skated in their team's opening game, which was the most ever. 41% of players are 25 or younger. 23% are 23 or younger. 35 players on these opening day rosters have yet to play in a regular season game. 20 different countries represented. And the highest representation of one country on a single roster is the St. Louis Blues with 16 Canadians. There are 14 teenagers and 11 players born in the 2000s. Two of them on the Jets, David Gustafson and Ville Heinola. Team with the most Americans is the Wild with 11. Jets, Devils, Coyotes all have 10. The Avalanche are the United Nations of the NHL, because they have nine different countries represented on their roster. Canada, U.S., Russia, Finland, Austria, Czech Republic, Germany, France, and Sweden. Oh, but the Blue Jackets also have nine. Canada, U.S., Sweden, Finland, Denmark, France, Latvia, Russia, and Switzerland. There are two players who skated in an NHL game in the 90s still playing. Two. Can you name them? Give you five seconds. Zidane O'Chara, and Joe Thornton. Not surprising, right? They're old. two old good. old guys. Old goods. Old gu- guys and dudes. Goods. Just looking up by decade. Season opening rosters by birth decade. 1970s, two. 2000s, 11. 80s, 182, and 90s, 495. I was born in the 90s. I'm not in the NHL, of course. Here's your country breakdown. So yeah, Canada and the U.S. have most of them. 79 players, 11%. Sweden, 4.8%. Finland, 4.5%. Russia. Finland's above Russia. How about that? Czech, Czech Republic, 38 Switzerland, one6 Slovakia has nine players. Denmark and Germany, seven. Austria, Latvia, three. France, two. Bulgaria, Estonia, Great Britain, Kazakhstan. Nice. Norway, Slovenia, and Ukraine. Birth country represented by birth country might not be who they represent or play for internationally, but by birth country. And I was sent this today as well before we take a break. The hockey news has done a deep dive on the, what junior teams have produced the most pro players. So they looked at alumni since the 2004, 2005 lockout who played their first NHL game in or after the beginning of the 05 six season of the 60 CHL teams, number one, not surprising. If you follow junior hockey in Canada, the London Knights, and it's not even close. 12,034. Number two is Kelowna with 9,000. Then Kitchener, Portland, Flint, Red Deer, Owen Sound Attack represent number seven. If you're curious where the Winnipeg slash Kootenai Ice are on the list, kind of the middle of the pack, 26 out of 60. Mike Green, Braden McNabb, Sam Reinhart, Roman Polak are notable alumni, so... This has been a scatterbrained NHL preview, as Wayne Texan says the Leafs will win the Cup. I'll say this much, Wayne. The team that has the best chance in this country to win the Cup is the Leafs, and I don't think it's really much of a contest, because the Jets are in the toughest division in hockey. The Leafs, yeah, they got the Lightning to deal with, and the Bruins, but that's about it. And I think the Leafs are objectively a better team than the Winnipeg Jets. Sorry, but that's where we are right now. Calgary? No. Edmonton? No. Vancouver? No. Ottawa? No. Montreal? Eh. Nah. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now! Wow! If you got an Android, then I dig you're out of luck. But Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast, please. Subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?